Welcome to the Littler Labor and Employment Podcast, conversations about employment and labor law issues that impact the workplace. Hello and welcome to Littler Mendelssohn's podcast series. Today's series is in the area of global mobility and immigration practice. And I am Tasneem Zaman. I'm one of the special counsel in the immigration section of Littler. And with me, I have Elizabeth Whiting. I'm an associate in Littler's global mobility and immigration practice group as well. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Well, today we have a lot to discuss. It's a very current topic of what's happening. You know, we have seen massive, massive layoffs and reduction in forces in the tech industry. And, you know, I was just doing a research the other day and I saw that last year, 60,000 or more of employees have been laid off by the tech industries. And obviously, when somebody's here on a working visa and has been laid off, it has a huge impact on them because their work visas are specifically attached to their jobs. So when they lose their jobs, their lives are affected. So what we're going to focus on today is what are the options that are available to these foreign nationals who are on working visas? And also, if they have a permanent residency or green card process going on, what impact does it have? Without further ado, let's just begin with the options that's available to the foreign workers who are laid off. First of all, I understand employers may want to lay off certain workers, but Elizabeth, are there any steps that the employers can take to prevent this layoff and keep these employees in the company payroll? Yeah, definitely. There are strategies that companies can explore before conducting a massive layoff, and that can include reviewing a reduction in hours or even salary within permissible limits for those employees having the subject employee move to a different division or area of job responsibilities, or reassigning the employee to an office in a different geographic area in need of their skill set. And on the other hand, employees may also negotiate with their employers and ask for more time to remain on the payroll while searching for a new job or taking a voluntary leave while on payroll that's in line with company policies for other U.S. employees, of course. However, it is important to remember that H-1B workers cannot be placed on unpaid leave at the company's decision due to a lack of available work. That would violate federal anti-benching regulations contained in the Immigration and Nationality Act. Instead, the company must officially terminate the workers and then rehire them later if necessary. Okay, so when you say reduction in time, reduction in hours, does that mean they can go from a full-time to a 20-hour time? with no changes in their terms or not notifying USCIS? So they can have changes occur within their employment status, but they must notify USCIS when a material change in the duties of the position or in the rate of pay or in a change from full-time to part-time status occurs or a move to a new work site, not within the same metro area. And in that case, those employers must file an amendment with USCIS to advise of the new terms of employment. It's also important to remember that the Department of Labor, or DOL, generally considers 35 hours per week or more to constitute full-time employment. So in the case of an amendment, it's always important to remember that a worker should not begin working in the new position or a position that has changed terms and conditions in a material way until the amendment has been filed and received with USCIS. Right. It's very important that employers should maintain these kind of procedures if they're willing to retain these employees, if not in the same employment, in the hours that they're working, but also moving them to another employment or different work site. Otherwise, these employees will be out of status or violating their status. Correct, Elizabeth? That's exactly right. 
Okay. So other than these, are there any other general obligations that the employers have to do if they do in fact lay off these employees? Yes, there are. So there are notification requirements associated with certain visa categories, for example, H-1B, L-1, O-1, and other employment-based visas that employers should make sure that they're aware of. So as a brief overview, the H-1B visa is a specialized knowledge visa for individuals who will be working in a specialized capacity, most often in the tech industry. And the L-1 visa is used for intercompany transferees working at a foreign entity and move to the U.S. to actively work in the U.S. under a subsidiary, affiliate, or parent company in the U.S. So we'll start with the H-1B visa since that's the most common. Mm -hmm. uh, there are three main notification requirements associated with conducting a legitimate termination of an H-1B worker. So first, the employer must notify the H-1B worker in writing of the termination. Whether that occurs by email or in another written form, it must be in writing. The second requirement is that the employer must notify USCIS of the termination so that USCIS can revoke the petition approval. Finally, the employer must offer to pay the H-1B worker for the costs of reasonable return transportation abroad to their home country. And in addition, we always advise that employers should withdraw the underlying LCA on file with DOL to cut off any backwage liability that might occur for continuing employment. Okay, but do the employers, you know, if they have to offer the reasonable cost of return of transportation to their home country, if the employees decline that, is there any adverse effects to the employer? No, so they're only required to offer paying for the reasonable cost of return transportation. They do not actually need to pay that. Oh, okay. So what you're saying is, there are four different obligations that the employer needs to do. I think the most important one I, over here is to withdraw the LCA, the labor condition application, right? Because those are the conditions that the employer commits to make when hiring an H-1B employee, right? Yep, that's exactly right. And the LCA contains all the terms of employment, including the salary. So if that LCA is not withdrawn, then the employee could potentially file to reclaim back wages paid under that LCA in a worst case scenario. Wow, that's important. And I've seen some cases with the Department of Labor where employees have filed for these back wages. So yeah, those are very important. Thank you, Elizabeth. So let's say employers cannot retain these employees and they go through this massive layoff. Do they have to leave the country or how soon after the termination do they have to leave the country or do they have any other options to stay back? Sure. So foreign nationals in certain visa categories, including H-1B, L-1, and a few categories we haven't talked about, like O-1, E-1, E-2, and E-3 treaty visas, are eligible for a grace period so that they can prepare to depart the U.S. or have a new employer apply for a visa on their behalf. So this grace period lasts until the end of their visa validity period, as found on the employer's most recent I-797 approval notice, or 60 days, whichever is shorter. So during this time, the employees will be considered in lawful U.S. status, and the grace period is meant to provide time for them either to find new employment or depart the U.S. So at the end of the grace period, employees will not be considered to be in lawful status unless certain circumstances apply. For example, having another employer file a timely pending change of employer or change of status petition. 
Great. Let's go over an example because those were a lot of numbers right there. So let's say I'm an H-1B employee, right? And my current status, and today is February 1st, my current status expires as of March 10th. And I got laid off by my employer. So you said 60 days grace period, right? So what what is the grace period that's available to me then? Is it March 10th or, or is it 60 days from February 1st? So you would definitely want to check your visa approval validity notice first to ensure how long your overall visa approval lasts. So you would have 60 days from the day that you are terminated or the time remaining on your visa approval, whichever is shorter. Okay, so if my visa approval is March 10th and I don't have the 60 days, it's March 10th, correct? Yep, that's correct. Okay. All right. It's important to remember because sometimes employees get the 60 days and they assume that they have the 60 days, even their visa validity is less than that. So it's whatever the visa validity or 60 days, whichever is shorter. So are there any portability, like in these 60 days in the grace period that's available to these employees, do they have any portability, meaning that can they join another employer? Should they find another employer and they file for them? Yeah, so the laws on portability do provide an advantage to that laid off H-1B worker because they would allow the employee to maintain their H-1B status and change their approved employment petition to a new employer, even in the case of a termination. So the portability provisions within the H-1B program do allow that worker to preserve their status once they are working in the U.S. So two things must happen for an unemployed H-1B worker to be able to apply for new employment. First, the new employer must file a petition for non-immigrant worker for the H-1B worker prior to the expiration of the worker's authorized period of stay, which is the grace period that we just discussed. Mm -hmm. And along with that petition, the new employer must submit an approved labor condition application or LCA from the Department of Labor covering the work that the individual is being hired to perform in the new role. So the portability provision would enable that worker to change to a different job without the risk of being considered out of status or needing to depart the U.S. Okay, so as long as the new employer has the petition filed with the USCIS, they can join the new employer, right? But it has to happen within those 60 days. But are they allowed to work in these 60 days? No. So it's important to remember that if the H-1B worker has already been terminated and you're in that situation where a new employer is applying for a petition on your behalf within the 60-day grace period or your otherwise authorized period of stay, that worker needs to wait until the petition is approved to begin work with the new employer. Oh, okay. So they can't join. So the portability rules don't really apply here until the petition is approved, correct? Yep, that's correct. Awesome. All right. So one of the other things that we needed to discuss over here is whether these layoffs, do they have an impact on the permanent residency process for these laid off employees? Right, Elizabeth? So most of the time we have seen that the majority of the foreign workers are sponsored by their employers for their permanent residency or green card, as we call them. And because there's a layoff, these employers then stop the process for the laid off employees. So it not only affects one person, which is the employee, but it also affects the employee's entire family. It's also important to remember that sometimes, you know, but very rarely we've seen that the employers tend to continue the green card process, even if 
the employees are laid off because the green card process is based on a future employment. However, the reality is, you know, because the green card process is so time consuming and so costly, employers tend to, in most purposes, terminate the process. Also, sometimes we also face this questions where employees have asked, can I transfer my green card process from my previous employer to my new employer? And the answer is no over there because every employer has their specific process that based on a specific job offer and it cannot be transferred to another employer. So Tasneem, what should employers be thinking about in the layoff or reduction in force context when it comes to sponsoring individuals for a permanent residency application, or as we call them, PERM applications, in contrast to the non-immigrant visas that we just talked about? That's a very good question, Elizabeth. Very important to first understand what the residency process entails. It's actually a three-step process. And in the first step of the process, the employers have to test the labor market and make sure there are no U.S. workers available to take this position. The question then remains that if an employer continues to sponsor foreign employees for a green card, but, you know, they also have these layoffs, right? What are its obligations to ensure that the laid-off employees are given a second chance to be rehired? And the Department of Labor, they had envisioned this scenario, and they have taken this scenario into consideration and incorporated the provisions in their regulations in the first step of the process, which is basically called the PERM application process. And in the PERM process, the employers are supposed to test the labor market. And when it comes to layoffs, they have to make sure that the laid-off employees are also given a second chance to those jobs to be rehired before the Department of Labor can approve that first step of the green card process. So, Tasneem, when we're thinking about notifying laid-off workers, who do employers specifically need to notify? Would it be everyone that, you know, was subjected to a layoff, or is this varying by geographic location? No, it is, actually, because the Department of Labor actually makes it a little easier on the employers. They say that they put some limitations over there. They say that they have to notify those workers or were laid off in the same or similar occupation for which a foreign national is being sponsored and in the same intended area of the job opportunity. Not all laid off employees have to be notified, only those who were laid off within 180 days preceding the filing of the PERM application. So what that means that If an employer is laying off 180 computer system analysts in Los Angeles, California, but then the employer is also sponsoring a computer systems analyst in Boston, they don't have to consider the laid off employees in California because it's not in the same intended work site. However, because the COVID and everybody's working remote and everything, it has become a little trickier now so that the employers have to consider everybody who were laid off in that specific occupation all over the country and who were laid off within 180 days preceding the filing of the application. Oh, that makes sense. So with the rise of remote work and everything, that means that they may have to notify more people than they would have on previous in-person work. 
Absolutely. Yes. And there's a lot of interpretations as to how employers have to notify these laid off workers. So the first and foremost thing that the employers need to do is they have to maintain the latest contact information for the laid off workers so that whenever they're filing a PARM application, they should take steps to proactively notify these employees and also provide them a full description of whatever job that's being sponsored for and also instructions on how to apply and inviting the workers to apply. I've heard employers coming to us, right, Elizabeth, saying that, oh, we just posted on our website and we asked the laid off employees to check our and monitor our website. The Board of Labor Certification Appeals have expressly held that that's not enough. The employer has to take that extra step to proactively reach each and every laid off employee and say, we have this position open, you are invited to apply. Good point. And so, Tesneem, when we're thinking about employers that have been notifying employees, is that documentation just kept for their own records, or is it possible that that employer will need to provide that to the Department of Labor in the event of an audit or to support their application being approved? Absolutely. Under the Department of Labor regulations, you know, employers have to maintain all documentation, which includes layoff documentation and all of their attempts to contact the laid off employees uh, for at least five years from the filing of the PERM application. And it may be requested in an audit. If the employers are unable or fail to provide this documentation, then that application will be denied. That's an interesting point. Uh So does the Department of Labor retain any information on public layoffs or companies that have laid off individuals that have been in the news recently, or is this purely an honor system? Actually, very good, very good point, because the U.S. Department of Labor does, in fact, retain and have access to the layoff information because these laid off employees, they apply for unemployment benefits. And therefore, one can reasonably assume that if there has been a significant layoff for a certain employer and the employer has filed a labor application or sponsored a foreign national there's a high likelihood that PERM application for that specific employer will be audited and the employers will be requested to submit all of these information to the Department of Labor. Wow. So it's definitely important that they continue to retain documentation and complete the required notifications throughout this process. Absolutely. So Elizabeth, let me ask you, I was just thinking about this. In general, are laid off non-immigrant workers, are they eligible for applying for unemployment benefits? That Does it jeopardize their status? That's a great question. So whether a foreign national that has been laid off or terminated is eligible for state unemployment benefits is a state-specific analysis. So each state has its own laws on who may apply for unemployment benefits But it's important to keep in mind that one of the most common state eligibility criteria is that the employee needs to be actively available for re-employment. This means that many employees who are work authorized incident to their visa status, like an H-1B employee or an L-1 transfer employee, likely would not be considered actively available for employment under the laws of most states. Oh, okay. Conversely, if you're a foreign national who holds employment authorization based on a type of status, like you've applied for permanent residency and have received an employment authorization document, rather than holding a visa that's just tied to a specific employer, that individual may be eligible, but ultimately it's a question of state law. Right. So it's very important that if a laid-off employee would like to apply for unemployment benefits, 
they definitely should talk to an unemployment lawyer and also their immigration lawyer to be aware what impact it'll have on their statuses. And also, I believe unemployment benefits may also factor into the public charge issue, but that's something that's for another day that we can discuss. Well, I think we are running out of time, but as you can see that the laws that are governing the status and the employment authorization are very complex, and particularly when there are disruptions in the employment. And it's always, always requested and urged that we would like to reiterate that employers engage with their Immigration and Employment Council to discuss their workforce plans and strategies when anticipating a layoff and its workers. Elizabeth, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening in. Thank you, Tasneem. Thanks, everyone. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com podcasts. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the